There's a story in the Word of God I want to bring to your attention tonight, kind of walk you through it. And it's interesting because it's from the book of Esther. And by the way, let me just say this too, that the time of the Feast of Purim is the time that God judges your enemies. Is anybody interested in getting some enemies off your back? How about something like the enemy of debt? That's an enemy. I said that's an enemy. Or just enemies of any kind. Whatever you're going through, something that keeps telling you, no, you can't, you're not going to make it. It's time. That's the season that we're in right now. And um, it comes from the story of Esther. And um, Esther is um, um, somebody who's unique because we don't know what kind of talent she really had or skills that she had. But we do, we know what the Bible does say about her appearance. And the Bible says that she was absolutely beautiful, that she had a beautiful figure. The Bible talks about that. Her face was really pretty. And so she would garnish the attention of particular people. And in the story of Esther, which is also kind of interesting that you may not know, is that God is not mentioned at all in it. And it wasn't like those that put together the, the canonized version of the word of God, those that, uh, these men of God that sought and prayed and fasted over the ones that belonged in the Holy Bible. And they didn't leave it out because God is all over the story. He's just not named in the story. And sometimes when God is hidden is where we see God the most. I'm just going to say that right after. Sometimes you can't always detect him, but he's there. Y'all going to help me preach tonight? I'm going to do it by myself. Now, I'm saying that because we're entering into that season now that it may look like God's not there, but he is. And there's a king in the story called the king, his name is King Xerxes. And King Xerxes was a pretty good king. But um, he was hosting a, a major feast, a big feast to have for all of his friends and all of the royalty to come, and as he would do in those days, most kings would do during that time. And it was a big feast, and so his most beautiful bride out of all of his concubines was a woman named Vashti. Vashti was gorgeous, she was pretty, and he wanted to show her off to everybody. So he called for her to come to the feast, but she refused to come. And he called for her again, and she refused to come, and so he was embarrassed. And he didn't know what to do at first, and so he, he was very much about the, the written law, and so he looked to research to find out what exactly to do about the problem, and he found a clause there basically that, that he, he could banish her, and she could be no more a part of his life. And so he did that. And so this beautiful woman now was the number one woman in his life who had most of the pull in his life is now gone, and God saw fit to put somebody in her place by the name of Esther. Esther was a Jew, but she hid it from the king because the Jews were, not, were, down, they were looked down upon during that, that time, and many of them were being captured or being imprisoned or enslaved. And so she hid that from the king, and the king saw her and obviously said, I want her, and brought her in among the young virgins, and she became one of the king's concubines. Now, what's interesting about Esther, because the story doesn't go, we don't know much about her history, except that we do know that she did not have a mother or a father. They had passed away. 
but she had an uncle by the name of Mordecai. And Mordecai was one that was actually imprisoned, and um, one of the Jews that were imprisoned, but yet he raised her. He raised her up from a child, and he knew that there was favor on Esther. Something was special about her life. How many knows that favor can change everything about your life? That one drop of favor can change everything about you, everything about your life. And most people don't recognize this because we give up too soon. But we're one person away from a miracle, one prayer away from a miracle. We're one step away from our greatest breakthrough, but we don't know it. Now, Esther did not know she was going to provide that kind of favor. I don't know that she even knew she had that kind of favor in her life, but God knew. And God knew the time to bring her in to the kingdom of Xerxes. And so uh, Esther was found favor, and, and as a result of that, uh, she became a part of the king's concubines. Mordecai now is minding his own business, but he overhears down the hallway, he overhears two different people, officers in the court, that were actually plotting a coup to take over the throne, to kill the king, and to take over the entire kingdom. He has an ear to hear it. God puts him in a place to hear what the enemy is trying to do to destroy the kingdom. This is during the time of Purim. Now, he hears this, and so what he does was, he does what he should have done. He goes and reports it to the people of authority. He doesn't have the ear of the king, but he has the ear of some officers, and he tells them what's up, and they find out what's going on. They, 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 they spoil the plot to kill the, the, the king, to take over the kingdom, and they, they say thank you and give a nice little pat on the back to Mordecai, but that's all he got. I just want to say that sometimes doing the right thing, you don't always see God's favor right away, but hang on, your story's not over yet. God still has a plan. He's working something out. And so uh, Haman is somebody now, a new man. Now, if I was doing an illustrated sermon, I'd, be, I'd dramatize all this. But Haman now comes into the picture. So he walks into the scene. He's not new to the, to, the, to the scene. He's been there before many times. And the king is starting to like Haman because Haman is one of those brown-nosing kind of people that always says the king is awesome, incredible, and fantastic, and whatever he wants, he gets. And so he finds his way to having some favor with the king. But Haman has not got a right spirit. Haman's got a, 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 a self-promoting spirit. He's trying to get ahead in life. He's trying to secure his position in the kingdom. And as a result of that, uh, he pushes his way into the king's life. And, and he begins to say certain things to the king, like there's people who don't trust you. There's people that, uh, that, um, that are uh, out to get you. Um, and, 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 and he said, who are these people? He said, they're called the Jews. And, and if we'll take them out, uh, your problems will be over with. And so we need to get some laws together that if they won't bow, they're going to have to die. And the reason why he did that was because he was so offended. Because every time Haman walked by Mordecai, everybody bowed because they were afraid of Haman because of his position to the king. Because the king wanted to promote him and did ultimately promote him 
Everybody bowed, but Mordecai would not bow his knee, looked him eyeball to eyeball as he passed by and wouldn't do it. And it offended him. And as a result of offending Mordecai, because Mordecai would not bow in the presence of evil, this man decides, let's take them all out. I'll take all his people out. And the king thought it was a good idea because the king thought it would have been another one of those coups to take him out if he didn't take them out. You can see that there's warfare in the kingdom and there's spiritual warfare in the kingdom of God. I said there's spiritual warfare in the kingdom of God and we got to be privy to what the devil is doing or trying to do, trying to get us off track, trying to get us to bow our knee to evil. But we got news for the devil tonight. Faith builders ain't bowing their knee to darkness nor to the devil. So Haman got the king to decree that all of those who were different or did different from their laws in the kingdom would be put to death. So that decree went out before the whole kingdom. And it went out to everyone. And when Mordecai heard of the decree, I want you to hear what he did. When he found out that the enemy was trying to take him out and take his family out and take his people out, he decided to do something about it. And what does he do? The Bible says he takes off his clothes. He tears his clothes. He rents his clothes. And he puts on sackcloth. And he burns stuff. And he puts ashes on his body. And he wouldn't eat any food for 40 days. And he became so militant about it. And there was something about Mordecai that was so powerful when he did this that there was a conviction about it that the people and men around him began to tear their clothes and they put on sackcloth and ashes and they also didn't eat any food because they wanted to see a breakthrough because it broke their heart that evil had come in to take out the, the people of God. I'm here to tell you the devil doesn't fight fair. So if you're looking for a fair fight, you ain't going to get one with the devil. I said, you're not going to get one with the devil. You better recognize that you are in a battle, but it's, a, it's called the good fight of faith. Just don't lose your faith. Keep trusting. Keep believing. And God will ultimately come through. That's a part of the Feast of Purim. Now, so they begin to join in the fast. How many knows that fasting and prayer breaks bondage? I wonder if this church, if we would get a time from now until Passover, that we would fast and pray, fast, pray, pray, and fast. What kind of breakthrough could we get? Isaiah said it breaks every band or every chain. Come on. And darkness has to flee. That's the good gospel news. That's the good fight of faith. What's a good fight? What's a good fight? Fight you win. So he already said it's a good fight. That means it's a fight that you will win. Come on. Esther communicates with Mordecai, and they begin to talk about what are we going to do. Remember, Esther is the niece of Mordecai. Esther now has, has privilege in the court of the king. What can we do? They begin to strategize and the possibility of going to the king to figure out what they can say or what they can do to turn this evil proclamation and declaration around. And 
she says to him, I might die if I go to him with this. I might die. And what Mordecai says is so beautiful. He says, who knows? Maybe you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. It is a prophetic moment in time. That's what I'm trying to say. You've got to understand why has it been so tough for you lately? Why has it been so hard on you lately? Why do you want to quit? What's going on? What is going on? It's spiritual warfare is what's going on. And when you put your head in the sand and act like it don't exist, it don't go away. It gets worse. But when you've done all to stand, stand there for. Come on. Don't give up. Why? For such a time as this, God's about to do miracles in 2019. Get ready. We're headed for some incredible breakthroughs. You can sit there and say, I don't believe that. That's, that's your problem. You're in and out, up and down. You're too emotional. When will you learn? It's about faith. Esther puts her life into her hands, or should I say, into the hands of God, and decides, I will go to the king. I will speak to the king. She didn't know what she was going to say. That's faith, y'all. You might have to, you might have to face something or someone, and you know you gotta do it, you gotta face it, but you don't even know what you're gonna say, and you won't have the words till you actually get to that place. And that's your faith kicking in, that's your trust kicking in. And so she puts her life into the hands of the, of the king to see what he would say. And she walks into the room, and all the guards stop, stop, halt. The king has not asked you to come in because he had to raise his scepter for somebody to come in. He hadn't done that yet. And he rebukes and says, let her in. Let her in. And she comes over. She talks to him. She said, king, and he says, what is it? He can tell she's bothered. And he says, what is it? He said, ask me anything. Ask me up to half my kingdom. Will I not give it to you? Ask me what you want. I'll give it to you. Well, my Lord, if you would just grant me this is the word she said, an opportunity to prepare a banquet for you tomorrow, about this time, and bring Haman, your number two guy, bring him in, and I want to have just a feast with you too. If you do that for me, I would be well pleased. He said, I'd do anything for you. Of course, let us do it. And he said, we will have a banquet. And he sees Haman hanging around, because you know Haman, you know those kind of people always hanging around the corner. Oh, what's going on in there? You know, he sees him, calls me, and says, "Tomorrow, about this time, we're gonna have a banquet, and it's gonna be just for me and you. Esther's gonna throw it for us." Really? Well, you know, these are words he's been looking for. He's wanting promotion. He's wanting to get next to the king. He's wanting to have a better life. He's wanting. To, he's been manipulating. He's been conniving, and now he's so happy. He's can't wait. He's skipping out of the place. He goes home to tell his wife. On the way home, he runs right into Mordecai. And when he sees Mordecai, everybody else around Mordecai bows. But Mordecai looks him eyeball to eyeball as he walks past him. Mordecai will not bow in this 
bothers him. And it bothers him even more because now he's found even more favor with the king. He's being promoted. So he goes out home and he cries to his wife, can you believe this Mordecai? He's ruining my day, ruining my time with the king. And I can't, this guy won't bow. He needs to bow. And his wife said, I tell you what, why don't you tomorrow build tomorrow morning have the men come together and build a 75-foot tall, I don't know why they'd be 75 feet, 75-foot tall gallows, gallows where you hung people on. And, and then let it be that if you won't bow, you tell the king he's not bowing to the king, and we'll, you can have a decree that he can be hung, and your problems will be over, and you can go and celebrate at the banquet and have a good time with the king. How about that? He said, I like your idea. So he wakes up early in the morning. And as he's waking up early in the morning, he begins to put the men to work to build the gallows. Now, that night, that very night, the king, Xerxes, could not rest very well. And he can't sleep. So he orders for the records to be open. He's a businessman. He starts looking over the records, the things that are going on in his kingdom. And he finds a place where a man named Mordecai came not that long ago and told about a coup that was taking place to take over the kingdom and to kill the king and that his life was spared. And he said, hey, hey, who's this man? Mordecai. He said, well, he's one of, the, the, you know, he's one of our workers around here, slave. He said, um, and he saved my life? Yes, he did, king. What did we do for him? What did we do for him? Well, um, I, 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 nothing. We just said, thank you very much. He said, you mean to tell me a man spared your king's life and we've done nothing to this man's benefit and to help him out? He said, he said, I, I, we have to, we got to do something. Well, by this time the morning had come because Haman was already up and it was building the gallows. He sees Haman walking around and says, Haman, get up here. Haman comes and says, yes, sir, what, what, what do you need? He says, um, this man, he tells a story about Mordecai. He's going, yeah. He goes, he goes, he didn't tell him his name. He starts telling him about this man who came and he had done a coup and he was going to kill me. And he said, what would you, what would you have to do? Now, he doesn't know it's Mordecai. He goes, what would you, what would you have me do? He said, he said, you know, King, what we should do, we should get your robe out and put it on him. And we should get one of your crowns and put it on his head and get your stallion and put him on the stallion and then have your men ride him through the city. He said, this one is favored of the king. This is the highly favored one of the king. He said, great idea. Bring him to me. Who is he? Mordecai. The Bible says he lost the color in his face. They bring Mordecai in. What's up? He sees a Haman. He don't know. He knows something's up. He goes, you spared my life. And because of that, Haman, get my robe. Haman has to take the king's robe, puts it on his shoulder. Haman has to take the king's crown, puts it on his head. Haman has to lead him out to the stable and put him on top of the king's stallion. And then Haman has to lead him through the city. And Haman has to say, hear ye, hear ye. This one is highly favored of the king. Hear ye, hear ye. This one is highly favored of the king. Just because your enemies look like they're coming against you today and it looks like they got you right where you wanted, God's about to turn this whole thing around. 
Haman ran him through the city. He's horrified. Now the banquet. So Esther prepares the banquet that night. He said, well, at least that's over with. I'm going to be the man. And he gets into the banquet and is sitting down. It's just the two of them in this beautiful place. And the king says, Esther, something's wrong. What is it? I told you, I'll give you up to half my kingdom. What do you want me to do? And Esther says, there's been a decree and an order to not just kill anybody, but to kill innocent people. I beg of you, O king, release them from this. Release them. Don't take out God's people like this. He said, who are they? She said, they're my people. He didn't know she was a Jew. The Jews, they're my people. He said, they're your people? She said, yeah. He said, I know now what this is all about. I seen the face that was on Haman when Mordecai came. I saw the anger and the jealousy. And now I'm putting it all together. Haman was the one who came to me to said that these people were evil. He told me these people were trying to overthrow me and they're innocent of any crime except for Haman is the one who established this. He said, Haman, you did this. And again, the Bible says the color rushed out of his face. And he didn't know what to say. And he says, what should we do? And he brought the legal team in. The legal team says, we know what to do. There's just this morning been a brand new gallow that's been built 75 foot high. Let us hang Haman on that gallow. Lesson learned to not manipulate the king any longer. And the Bible said they hung Haman on the very gallows that Haman built. Does not the Bible says be careful for the, the hole you dig for others is the pit you will fall into. I told you this year was going to be the year of exposure. God's about to expose things that have never, and, and I'm not saying that for us to be paranoid. Oh, God's not trying to shame anybody. Not you, not me, not anybody. I'm not talking about petty stuff. I'm talking about things that have to be exposed so that the body, you, me, can, can move forward. We're all trying to move forward, but there's things that need to be exposed. And Haman had to be exposed so that God's people could be released from their bondage. Here's the result. The Bible says that the law as a result of Mordecai and the favor that was found on Esther, the law was reversed. Watch this. The king issued a decree that the Jews had the right to their own sovereignty and they could fight for themselves and nobody could just walk in and destroy them. And also, as a result, the Bible says that Mordecai got to take over Haman's house. He got to live in that joker's house. That's the kind of turnover that I'm expecting for you and I'm expecting for me in this season. It started last night. It's happening until tonight, but it pushes us or advances us forward, moving us to begin to be prepared. Passover is coming. Are you getting prepared for your enemies to fall in the next several weeks? Are you getting prepared for breakthrough? Are you getting prepared for God to do something for you 
that you can't do for yourself. Well, I'm not good enough, Pastor. If we had to go by how good we were, we, we wouldn't even be saved. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. All you can do is be obedient to what God's asking, and the favor of God will come. Why is it so? This time of year, things get turned upside down. The heat gets turned on. Things come out of the blue. Like, what happened here? This is a part of the reason why we've got to be prepared now for what God wants for us.